of the Lord is here. I'd like to direct your attention to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 10. And if I haven't already been able to say it to you, I'd like to say Happy New Year. And uh, I'm thankful that the Lord gave us another year. It's a privilege that God has given us another year to be on this earth. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. And we'll read several scriptures here and looking at a familiar passage of scripture. Now it came to pass as they went that Jesus entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, it's never good when someone says your name twice, is it? Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And I'd like to preach a title that I wrestled with the title because I'm, I'm not trying to provoke you into a particular response. There are different kinds of messages that are intended for different things. But I do feel that the Lord wants us to be introspective tonight and look inside of ourselves. And so I'm preaching from this title, Make Time for a Praise Break. Make Time for a Praise Break. Can we put our Bibles down and let's lift up our hands and let's ask the Lord to minister to us tonight. Can we do that? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I, I pray that we could remove every distraction. I pray that we could remove the weariness of the holiday season that is resting on our shoulders I pray that we could lay aside every weight and the sin that, that doth so easily beset us, God. And I pray that we could look beyond just this moment and that we could see your heavenly perspective for our lives. I pray that it would penetrate our hearts. We give you praise. We give you glory, God. And we ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Look at the person beside you and say, make time for a praise break. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Let me begin by saying that Martha was a good and godly woman. She loved Jesus. The Bible illustrates to us that Martha loved his ministry. And she believed in his message. She was devoted to service. She diligently worked and labored for the Lord. In many ways, she patterned an example that we all should follow. When she saw a need, she did her best to meet it. 
When she saw a problem, she did her best to fix it. This church desperately needs more people like Martha. We need workers and laborers to be busy about the Father's business. If you're not involved in some kind of ministry, then let me just pause and take this opportunity to tell you that you should be. God wants us to do more than just show up to church and fill a pew. God has called each of us to be laborers in the harvest field. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. This goes against the way that we typically view church problems. This church does not have a harvest or a revival problem. It has a labor problem. God always provides the harvest. The Bible says that he is the Lord of the harvest. God provides the harvest as the workers make themselves available. And Jesus wasn't just talking about pastors and preachers and teachers. He was talking about ordinary people who would be willing to get out into the harvest field and work for the kingdom of God. God has given each of us specific talents, gifts, anointings, callings, and abilities that we should be investing into the kingdom of God. Not everyone is called to preach, and not everyone is called to sing, thank the Lord, but everyone is called to labor in some capacity in the harvest field. In fact, I would dare say that some of the greatest ministries that are involved in this church have nothing to do with anything that happens on this platform. God has called us to labor in the harvest field. Right now, this church needs more ushers, greeters, altar workers, prayer warriors, Sunday school teachers, bus ministry workers, home Bible study teachers, kids chapel helpers, prison ministry preachers, nursing home ministry assistants, media ministry assistants, and sound ministry assistants, just to name a few areas that need help. This church has grown tremendously over the last several years, and now the field is larger, and I'm going to tell you, we need more Marthas to get busy in the kingdom of God and say, Lord, whatever you call me to do, I'm going to do it. If I have to be in the kitchen, if I have to be in the back, wherever I've got to be, Lord, I want to be faithful to your ministry. I want to be faithful to the house of God. I want to be faithful and committed to the things of God. If you're already working, let's work harder together. If you're already serving, let's serve even more diligently than we ever have before. The old timers used to call it putting your hand to the gospel plow. And that's exactly what God intends for each of us to do in this new year. Listen to this preacher. There are blessings that will only be released into your life once you are busy working for the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. There are blessings that will only be released in your life when you are busy about the Father's business. Martha was not rebuked by Jesus because of her service. Martha's problem 
was that she did not know when to stop serving and start worshiping. She didn't know when it was time to take a praise break. There are times when our serving can become an illegitimate replacement for our praise. And I'm encouraging all of us to be involved in the house of the Lord like we never have been before. But all of the service in the world is no replacement for our praise. There is much work to be done, but all of our work is in vain if we don't make time to praise the Lord. Let me just pause, and I knew this wasn't going to get us all riled up tonight, but let's talk about why we have Sunday night church in an era when almost every other church is abandoning their Sunday night service. On Sunday mornings, half of our church is out serving as teachers or working in some ministry capacity throughout this building. Wednesdays are similar with Kids Chapel, and it's a Bible study format. But Sunday nights are different. Lay aside the fact that the Bible tells us very clearly to forsake not the assembling together of ourselves and so much more when we see the day of the Lord approaching. Lay aside all of those things and just look at it from a practical angle. Every other service of the week, we're busy serving all over this building. But Sunday nights are a unique opportunity for us to come together as the core of this church and take time out to praise God with all of our hearts and praise God with all of our might. And let me go ahead and give us a little rebuke tonight if I could. We have not been taking advantage of the opportunity that we have on Sunday nights to praise God with all of our might and praise God with all of our hearts and praise God with all of our soul. I didn't come Sunday nights last year to just look at you. I came to have a praise break and be refreshed in the presence of God. Hallelujah. We ought to be blowing the roof off of this place on Sunday nights with our praise. We ought to be shaking the foundations of this building on Sunday nights with our praise. I don't ever want to be like the Pharisees where I'm just going through the motions and the machinations of praise. I don't want to just check it off my list and say, God, I showed up one more time. I want to do more than just show up. I want to show up and watch God show off. I know that's old-fashioned preaching, but we need to have the kind of services uh, where we release the presence of God to flow through this building uh, until sinners are weeping at an altar, uh, until cancer is being healed, uh, until lives are being changed, uh, until broken hearts are being mended, until backsliders are praying back through. Uh, I'm going to tell you, we've got to go back to old-fashioned Pentecost uh, where we stop going through the motions. Uh, we've got to take a praise break hallelujah now listen I know I said I wasn't trying to rile you up I riled you up a little bit there listen closely I'll calm you back down with this your praise is just one distraction away from extinction we live In a world that is desperate to be distracted. What do you think our computers and 
our cell phones and our tablets and, and all of the drugs that people are taking and all of the entertainment industry and Hollywood with its billions and billions of dollars. All of that is a desperate search for distraction. And I want you to know the spirit of that has caught a hold of the church in many places where we come to the house of God and everything distracts us from what God is trying to do. We've got cell phones ringing and we've got their to-do list going through our minds and we're planning our lunches for the week and how are we going to get here and how are we going to get there? And I want you to know that God is calling us just like he did Martha to say, hey, it's time for you to lay aside your distractions. I know you're busy, church. I'm busier than just about anybody in this room. But every once in a while, and it ought to be Sunday night, we ought to step back and say, I'm going to take some time. And I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to listen to his voice. I'm going to respond to his words. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him until the blessings flow. In my life, it doesn't take long for people to completely lose their ability to touch God with their praise. It takes generations in some cases. Parents begin to lose a little bit and they hang on to just enough to get them through. But they never pass the power of praise down into their children's life. And by the time it gets to their children and grandchildren, they've completely forgotten what it means to praise until they replace praise with fancy lights and they replace praise with loud music and they replace praise with everything else and they're busy serving, but they don't know how to praise. We need a revival of apostolic praise. If we're ever going to see apostolic revival, it will not happen without praise. We can serve all day long, but without praise. Hallelujah. Martha was so busy and cumbered about with much serving that her priorities became misplaced. But Jesus quickly reminded her that Mary had made the right decision. If you find yourself, now let's talk for a moment about how you might know that it's time for you to pause and take a praise break. Everyone said a praise break. Here's a few things that you need to look out for. If you find yourself slipping in areas that you once had victory, it's time for a praise break. If you view service for the Lord as burdensome rather than as a privilege, it's time for a praise break. If you find yourself too busy to pause and really lose yourself in worship, it's time for a praise break. If you're weary in well-doing, it's time for a praise break. If you can't remember the last time you spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance, it's time for you to pause and take a praise break. If you find yourself angry and irritated with others who are praising, then you desperately need a praise break. 
If you find yourself arguing and complaining with God, it's time, friend, for a praise break. If you find yourself critical, cynical, and constantly overwhelmed, then let me tell you, you're desperately in need of a praise break. And I think we ought to pause right now and take a praise break all over this building. Somebody lift up your hand. Somebody lift up your voice. Somebody loose yourself in worship. I come against every spirit of complacency right now. I come against every spirit of cynicism and bitterness right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I come against, oh God. Every spirit that would rather sit down than stand up. I come against it right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, oh God. We would have a revival of praise. Psalm 150 gives us the blueprint for praise. It says, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. I said, praise God in his sanctuary. But preacher, you don't understand. I I don't praise God at church, but on Monday morning, you know, I praise over my coffee. Listen, if you can't praise God in the sanctuary, I guarantee you, you're not praising God anywhere else. Praise God in the sanctuary. If you can't praise him tonight, you're not going to be able to praise him in the morning. You better get an old-fashioned dose of the Holy Ghost and get refilled with his spirit so that you can be endued with power from on high praise him in the firmament of his power praise him for his mighty acts praise him according to his excellent greatness praise him with the sound of the trumpet praise him with the psaltery and harp praise him with the timbrel and the dance praise him with 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 the dance. Some of you haven't danced in so long, you don't even know what it feels like anymore. You better get a praise break, sir. You better get a praise break, ma'am. Because the Bible tells us that we ought to praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. I'm going to tell you something, by the way. We serve an eclectic God. He's not piano only. He's not guitar only. He's not drums only. He's everything. He said, whatever you can get your hands on. We need to stop looking down our noses at instruments that are our favorite instrument. And say, hey, whatever I can get a hold of. Whatever I can grab. I'm going to praise him on it. I'm going to make whatever I've got an instrument of praise. And if I don't have an instrument and God has blessed me with two hands, I'm going to turn my two hands. And as long as God has blessed me with a voice, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to use my voice to glorify God. Hey, don't tell me to be quiet. He's done too much for me. Don't tell me to simmer down. He healed my body. Don't tell me to calm down. If you knew what God had saved me from, you would be shouting too. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. 
Hey, listen, somebody. If you've got breath in your body, turn it into an instrument of praise right now. Just open up your mouth and begin to use your vocal cords as an instrument of praise. Hallelujah. 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 My God, my God, my God, my God. We just read it. The word says, praise him according to his excellent greatness. No, no, no. Hold on. That's not an easy thing to do. I was laying in my office floor between church thinking about this scripture and I felt the Holy Spirit just keep washing this thought over me as I read Psalms 150 and as I thought about the greatness of God you know people who have trouble praising they have trouble recognizing the excellent greatness of God when you truly recognize the excellent great I mean, when you really get a hold of how awesome God is, as the song said, to, I mean, when you really believe that he is great and greatly to be praised, and it's more than just an old-fashioned phrase, but, but when you really think about the excellent greatness of God, I'm going to tell you it's overwhelming. And I began to think in my mind, I wonder what it would sound like if we ever really praised God according to his excellent greatness. What do I mean by that? If we really gave him the praise that matched his excellent greatness. I mean, if we could just, listen, if they can blow out a football stadium over a quarterback, I'm going to tell you, the sounds we ought to be making in the presence of God ought to dwarf what they're doing on football stadiums. I'm going to tell you, if you really believe that he's a healer, there ought to be some praising going on right now. If you really believe he's touched your life, there ought to be some shouting going on right now. If we ever praised him according to his excellent greatness. And I just wonder if we could take about 30 seconds and begin to think about the greatness of God and just do your best. I know it's not possible, but I wonder if you could just begin to match your praise to the magnitude of God. Somebody reach out to him right now. Just begin to praise him according. When I was unworthy, God, you touched me. When I was broken, you healed me. When I was backslidden, you found me, God.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. You can be seated. Praise is the pathway to God's presence. You cannot entertain the presence of God without praise. If we are not praisers, we are not a people of the presence. All of the work and the service and the good deeds in the world are just community service without praise. And I'm all for community service, but we need praise. God inhabits the praises of his people. There's nothing wrong with service. We need more of it. In fact, in my heart and in my mind, I've dubbed 2016 as the year of renewed and refocused service here at Apostolic Tabernacle. We have far too many people who are sideline saints and they are not working in the kingdom of God. We need service. But I'm going to tell you, we cannot have service at the expense of praise. So many churches are busy serving, but they never make time for a praise break. They lose their power. They lose their anointing. They lose the spirit of God. I think every Christian, and I know my audience tonight, I know I'm preaching to mostly the core of this church But I think that every Christian, especially a long time Christian, you know there's particular dangers that come with being a long time Christian. Did you know that? There are particular dangers. Many of them. That's a whole another sermon for a whole another day. I can speak personally of this because, you know, I was born on Saturday and in church on Sunday and shouting on Monday and doing outreach on Tuesday and baptizing somebody on Wednesday and clean it, dust in the hymnals on Thursday. I grew up in this thing. I know what it means to be, even though I'm a young man, I know what it means to be a long-time Christian. And there are dangers associated with that. One of them is that we begin to take the things of God for granted. We become so familiar with the things of God that It loses its value and its specialness to us. And that's to our own detriment. But I think one of the things that we all face at a certain point in our lives, in our relationship with God, is we have to choose metaphorically between the spirit of Saul or the spirit of David. You remember the story of King Saul. He was a great man when The prophet came and anointed him to be the first king of Israel. He stood a head and shoulders taller than everybody else. He had distinguished himself on the battlefield. He showed leadership qualities. He had all kinds of good things going for him. He really seemed to be a devout servant of the Lord. And for the first part of his 
reign. He was a good king. But something in his spirit began to change. He began to lose his connection to the things of God. It started with a dose of disobedience. It turned into full-blown rebellion. And the first thing that began to suffer in his life was his ability to praise and worship God. And Saul lost his ability to feel the presence of God and to praise his way through the dark spirits that would come against his life. Now I want you to know, I know it's 2016, but there are still demonic forces at play in the spirit realm that would like to come against your life. And when Saul lost his own praise, he became dependent on David's praise to drive away the dark spirits when the, when the demonic presence would begin to torment him and when temptation would begin to torment him and when his flesh was wrestling against his spirit man, he would call for David, that great psalmist, that songwriter, that singer, that musician who knew how to praise God. And he would say, get young David in here and tell him to bring his instruments and tell him to bring his new song. And I want him to sing and usher in the presence of God because when David begins to praise, when David begins to play, when David begins to sing, suddenly I am ushered back into the presence of God that I used to feel on my own. I want to talk to somebody tonight that when you begin to lose your praise, you will always become dependent on somebody else's praise. Those are the people you see sitting in church soaking up the presence of God while everybody else is worshiping. They're enjoying the feeling because they're riding on somebody else's coattails. Let pastor shout for me. Let pastor sing for me. Let brother Nathan shout the house down for me. And I'll let somebody else drive the darkness away. But I want to warn you, you can only last that way for so long. And there'll become a point in time where you become a praise assassin. Saul got to a place where he became jealous of David's anointing. He became jealous of how God used David because when you lose your praise, you lose your anointing. When you lose your praise, you lose your ability to be used by God. And that feels okay for a while because the pressure's off. You can just sit there and let everybody else do it. And hey, I'm feeling the presence of God and I'm still getting to go home early. I'm still getting to miss prayer meeting because I'm living off of somebody else's praise. But then jealousy creeps in and then depression creeps in and then bitterness creeps in and then the joy of the Lord begins to fade from your life until one day Saul became so overwhelmed that he picked up a javelin and he threw it at the praiser and he became a praise assassin and I've watched Christians do this time and time again they become jealous and then they begin assassinating everybody else's praise they begin tearing everybody else down because they can't feel the presence of God any longer I'm going to tell you what that is it's the spirit of Saul it'll grip your life it'll destroy your life 
Oh God, I didn't mean to preach it like this. Help me, Lord. It'll destroy your life. I've seen great leaders, great saints of God, destroyed by the spirit of Saul. Saul's daughter, Michael, came to a point in her life where she had to choose between her daddy's spirit and her husband's spirit. Michael was the one that David married. Remember, he married Saul's daughter as a gift for defeating Goliath. Their marriage was a happy one at first. Everything was going smoothly. In fact, Michael had risked her own life to protect her beloved. Everything seemed well in their life, and we didn't really know any differently until the book of 2 Chronicles when David is ushering the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, the Ark that had been in captivity. It had been removed from the great city of Jerusalem, and they had been without the presence of God for all of that time. And finally, David's armies had been victorious, and they had recaptured the Ark of the Covenant for the glory of God. And as they marched it back into the city, the Bible says that David was not concerned with kingly dignity. And I'm going to tell you, we've got Christians who are more concerned with their dignity than King David ever was. He was not concerned with how he looked. He wasn't concerned with whether or not his tie was tied just right and whether or not his hair was all in place. But he made up his mind. I'm going to have a praise break right now. God has given us the victory. God has brought his spirit back into our midst. And we're not going to lose it again. And as he marched back into the city of Jerusalem, the Bible says he instructed all of the people who were marching that day to take six steps. And after that sixth step, they would begin to worship and dance in the presence of God. They would begin to glorify God all over that city. As they marched into the city, they began to glorify God. And Michael was looking from the palace tower. And she looked down and she saw David taking off his kingly robe and taking off his kingly crown and lying down his kingly scepter because he was worshiping the true king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And she looked at her husband and suddenly she allowed the spirit of her father to grip her heart. I don't know if it was pride. I don't know what it was. I don't know the psychosis that was happening in her inner person. But as she looked down, the Bible says that she despised David. She despised his worship. She despised his praise. She didn't like anything about it. And when David came back, she gave voice to her Great displeasure. And David said, listen, and I'm going to give it to you in my vernacular. He said, listen, honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. 
If you think I was undignified before, I'm about to show you what undignified praise really looks like. Some of y'all need to look the spirit of Saul in the face and say, hey, devil, you ain't seen nothing yet. You just think you saw my praise. I'm going to show you what praise looks like. I'm going to show you what worship looks like. I'm going to go ahead and demonstrate that God is worthy of my praise. Stand with me all across the building. I told you I wasn't trying to provoke you into any particular response. And I'm going to make good on that promise by ending with this thought. Something tragic happened in that moment. A bond was severed between David and his wife. He looked at her and he said, Because of your spirit, you will not have children. You will never be fruitful and multiply. Your offspring will never be partakers of the royal lineage that we know would be the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. Because of this, you will never multiply. And I've felt this many times, and I say it to you again tonight. Apostolic Tabernacle, if we despise praise and we lose our worship, we will be barren and unfruitful, and we will never see revival. We absolutely must have the spirit of David if we want to see multiplication in our lives. Not only for our church, but for the blessings in our own families and in our own personal lives. And so I'm asking us tonight, if we could, without screaming and hollering and begging you to run and shout, that's not at all what this message was intended to do. I'm asking us to come to this altar, especially those of us who've been serving God for a long time. And I'd like us to come to this altar and say, Lord, I don't want to be so busy. I don't want to be so distracted. God forbid I would ever be so bitter or proud that I would embrace the spirit of Saul and abandon the spirit of David. What I'm asking us to do tonight is to come to this altar. I'm opening it right now. And I'd like us to pray that God would give us the spirit of David. That we wouldn't take Sunday nights casually, but that Sunday nights would be an opportunity to praise God like never before. That we wouldn't take any opportunity casually, but that we would come with a praise on our lips. That we would enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That we wouldn't wait on the praise team to push us and prod us into worship. That it wouldn't take somebody pulling us out of our pew to worship the Lord. Come on. 
Come on, let's purpose in our hearts. 2016 is going to be a year of praise. Death couldn't hold you down. We're going to lift our voice in victory. We're going to make your praises loud. The enemy has been defeated. And death couldn't hold you down. We're going to lift our voice in victory. We're going to make your praises loud. The enemy has been defeated. And death couldn't hold you down. We're going to lift our voice in victory. We're going to make your praises loud. The enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. We're going to lift our voice in victory. We're going to make your praises loud. The voice of triumph. Shout unto God with a voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up, shout unto God with the voice of triumph, to God with the voice of praise, shout unto God with the voice of triumph, we lift your name up, the enemy has been defeated, and death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make your praises loud. The enemy has been defeated, and death couldn't hold you. We'll lift our voice. We'll lift our voice. The enemy has been defeated, and death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make your praises loud. The enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make your praises loud. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. To God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. 
your name up. We lift your name up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. Pray with somebody. Join your praise with somebody else's praise. The only thing more powerful than your praise is when you join your praise with somebody else's praise. Just reach over and begin to worship the Lord together. God's been filling people with the Holy Ghost. That's it. Come on. Just, just worship the Lord together. Just, you don't have to scream. You don't have to shout. Just worship Him. That's all you have to do. I love you, Jesus. I magnify you, Jesus. Come on, we don't have to run and shout. Just, just say, I love you, Jesus. I worship you, God.